Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to episode 11 of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Today, my guest is Sydney Carver. Sydney is the voice behind Summer Wind, a fashion and lifestyle website launched in 2009. She lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with her fiance and her dog, Henry. I'm so excited to have Sydney here today because she is going to talk about that really difficult time of shifting family relationships from childhood to young adulthood. It's a tough time for parents to really start to see their kids as young adults and not to quote unquote parent them anymore. And it's a tough time for kids to really kind of see their parents in a different light. And I've watched Sydney navigate this online and she does it so well and her parents do so well. So welcome Sydney. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, Since this is a podcast about connecting, I usually start by kind of talking about our connection, how we know each other. We've not met in person. Um, Yes. But I know for you, like, I can't remember. So were you still in college when you started? Yes. So I was, I was trying to think about how I kind of uh, got connected with you. And I was trying to think of what year it was. Um, But I was definitely in college and I graduated college in 2012, but I was reading your blog um, like all throughout college. So somewhere in 2008 to 2012, um, I loved, loved following your blog and and reading all about your family and everything. And then I just, once Instagram took took a hold, I started following you on Instagram and and I've been following ever since. Well, and I think I don't know if I read when you wrote James Madison I feel like maybe I did here and there because I would always like look at you know who's following or who commented yeah Um, but I think I really started following more I remember when you graduated yeah and I remember you moving back to Pittsburgh and starting your career and um, that's when it's more cemented in my head but we've had this nice friendship where we dm and back and forth um and when I thought about today's episode, the reason that you really came to mind was um, one of the things I'm really aiming for this podcast is not simply interviewing or talking to quote unquote experts on every topic, Mm -hmm. but I want to talk to real life people who are in the thick of whatever the topic is and have them share about how they've tackled um, milestones in relationships or connecting. And I specifically have observed with you, and I think probably all of your followers and readers have that it appears anyway, (laughs) that you have a great relationship with your parents. Um, And I know as adult children kind of grow up, I know there's a lot of growing pains in those college years and those early adult years. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. Yeah, I'm very excited to chat, chat about it. You know, I'm, I, I'm flattered that you chose me um, to speak on the topic. And, and, you know, I am very, very close with my family. Um, but that's not to say that we don't have our, our issues. And, you know, I don't air all of our dirty laundry on Instagram or anything like that. But but it's true. I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful um, to be very close to my family. I just got off the phone with my mom before this, actually talking to her about it. So, um, yeah. So can you remember some bumps in the road as you were getting more independent? Like, I know college is now still kind of a far away off from you. You've been out quite a while, but you're much closer to it than a lot of people to really think about. Because I think that's when a a lot of it starts in the teen years. But through college and after college and up until now, can you remember some of the struggles and bumps in the road as you were getting more independent? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think for me, it started um, in late high school. I was, Mm -hmm. I vividly remember um, that period of time, you know, junior year leading into senior year, where you're so focused on choosing a college and, you know, deciding what you want to do um, and that kind of thing. And 
I remember I was so naive um, at that point in time. I had actually asked my parents. I rem- I actually remember vividly where we were sitting. We were um, sitting by the pool, and I we were talking about um, you know where I wanted to look at colleges and you know that kind of thing. And I asked them where where am I going to put all my furniture if the dorm room is too small? Thinking I was <laughs> bringing the furniture with me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was just so looking back, I just was so clueless about everything that was to come. And I think that that cluelessness um, was a little bit, I was a little bit fearful of the future, um, just just based surely on the unknown. I didn't know, I think, um, that period of not knowing where I was going to go to college, I think that scared me. Um, and mm-hmm. I definitely, you know, I, I didn't necessarily act out with my parents. You know, we have always had a a very close relationship, but I think during that time it was more tumultuous. Um, I think you know there were a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings, and um, definitely a lot of tears shed because I just I, I couldn't decide where I wanted to go. And then actually, early spring of my senior year, I didn't decide actually until I went down to James Madison, um, and I ended up choosing it. I fell in love with it as soon as I was on the campus you know, my parents were with me and they could just tell that, that that was the place for me, that I loved it. I felt comfortable there. I felt happy there. Um, and so once I knew where I was going to college, once I could kind of envision myself there, um, I just remember that feeling of, of more calm entering and, and things like that. But leading up to that, I just, I remember being so kind of distraught almost um, with that. And I think it was for, hard for my parents to see because you know mm-hmm. they didn't have the answer either of where I wanted to go to school. So they were like, you, this is a choice that you have to make. And you know they guided me through it. But I do remember that specific period of time being super, super hard for me. You know what I love about that story and that example, Sydney, um, is that your parents, you were having a tumultuous time and they probably from their perspective thought, what are we doing wrong? What can we do? You know, mm-hmm. and, the, and it's hard. Like I know now with having young adult children, they were, when they were going through that, that senior year was a bumpier time too. And as a parent, you take it personally. You're like, what's wrong? Why is our relationship, you know, not as good as it was maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And really it was about your inner turmoil and not really about them at all. Right. Oh, right. Completely. And I, I, you know, to this day, I, I feel a little guilty about how I acted then. You know, I, I, you know, we, we weren't fighting constantly, but we definitely had more mm-hmm. fights than usual. And I was more emotional than usual. And looking back on it, it, it had absolutely nothing to do with my parents. And in fact, I, I have to say the way that they handled it, they were so supportive and they did everything they, that they could to make me feel comfortable and guide me through that decision-making process. And, and, you know, I feel now as an adult grateful um, for how they handled the situation. But back then I just, you know, it was, it was weighing heavy on me and I know that they can see that, but there really wasn't, you know, a way to solve it until I got to that decision point where I, I knew where I was going to go to school. So it was, it was, it was tough, but um, it was not, it was not at all their fault. Yeah. I think that's so important probably for the parents listening here and if any young adults listen too, but I really think for the parents because so much of the time we are only looking at it from our perspective and we think it must be us. You know, I, I had a client this week whose daughter is a junior in high school and was really kind of just criticizing, insulting, you know, and I said, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's what they're all going through at the time, but it's so hard to step back. So I'm really glad you shared that story. Uh, This might be a silly question, but do you still feel like they parent you? Um, And the reason I ask this is I remember when my oldest son, he, I think he had just finished his sophomore year of college. It might've been freshman year, but it was either he just finished sophomore year or freshman year. And we were in Seaside, Florida on our family vacation. Mm -hmm. And we were just butting heads kind of the whole vacation, he and I, which is unusual. We're very, very close. And we 
he and I went out for breakfast, just the two of us one morning on vacation. And I remember being in the car, just like you were saying, you remember where you were when you had the conversation. And I, he said to me, mom, you've got to stop parenting me. And it stopped me in my tracks. I, I you know, he was maybe 19 yeah. and I looked at him and I said, Will, I can't turn that off. <laughs> like I've been parenting you for 18 years. I don't know how to turn it off. But we had this great conversation where he, he said, if, if you give me advice all the time, if you, you know, and I'm not a helicopter parent, but I did hear what he was saying. I was probably talking to him too much. I was probably a little too involved. And he basically just said, like, you've got to take a few steps back. And even I who do this for a living, I really needed to hear it. But that's what I'm, but then I'm thinking, like, do you ever stop parenting? <laughs> like, how is that when your relationship with your parents? So I, this is a interesting question that you posed to me because I, I'm 30 right now and I, mm -hmm. I don't think of my parents. I think that there was at some point, um, there was like this aha moment where my parents became more than my parents. And I saw them, I became to like, understand that they, they're more than parents in, in their lives and like to the world, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I started to see them, you know, go and, and do things that they enjoy. And I understood that like, they're humans just like me and they like to go and, um, you know, go golfing together and stuff like that. And they have their hobbies and they're, they're human beings just like everybody else's instead of solely looking at them as my actual like parents, if that makes sense. Um, oh yeah. It, it's kind of like a weird thing, but I was thinking about it and you know, I've always thought of them as mom and dad. And of course I still do it at 30 years old, but I see them more, not, at, not necessarily as my equals, but I see them, I relate to them more now as an adult, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and I definitely think that they still parent me. Um, I don't think it feels as much as parenting now that I'm older. I think it's, they're my confidants and they're my you know, guidance counselor, and they're my, you know, uh, shoulder to cry on kind of thing. It's not so mm -hmm. much that they're necessarily kind of telling me what to do, but they're more guiding me along in life. Um, whereas I think when I was younger, they definitely, I mean, they told me what to do, they punished me, they, you know, told me they were teaching me right from wrong and things like that. And they're doing less, I would say, less um, strict teaching per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, mm -hmm. it's more like a guidance and they walk me through life. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of like from a step back, if that makes sense. I love that. That's, it makes perfect sense. And I think what you said, being a confidant, a guidance counselor, a shoulder to cry on, or just to guide you along. I think that's our goal. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think it is one of the hardest things, Sydney, for us to do as parents. Because it's like we we have this mode of operation, right. you know, of, of, yeah, telling them what to do, teaching them right from wrong. And you have to get to a point where you're like, okay, they got this. They don't need that. They have to make their own mistakes. And you have to keep stepping back. So that's what I love that your parents, it sounds like they did that really seamlessly. Yeah. And, and you know, it was, just, it was just a very slow process. And I, I didn't, I, I never really realized it until I started, you know, uh, thinking about what I was going to talk to you about. And it's, it was a mm -hmm. very, very slow transition because even in college, um, you know, when I would have, when I would get a bad grade, you know, they wouldn't, you know, back in high school, I might've gotten in trouble for that and not like big trouble, but they would have, you know, mm -hmm. had a stern talking to me and said, Oh, well, you can't go out with your friends because you need to do more studying or something like that. And then in college, you know, they, suggested to me, you know, well, if you got this bad grade, maybe you should stop going out with your friends so much, but they weren't, it wasn't like an iron fist, you know, like it was mm -hmm. in the earlier years. And as you know, then I graduated college and, um, you know, I got, I got my first job and then they would talk to me, I would talk to them about career moves and things like that. And they didn't tell me what to do, but they gave me more advice that would guide me to make a decision that they probably thought was, was a good one, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And it's exactly 
what I work really hard to do with my kids. Um, you know, yeah, when Will was in high school, I definitely would, you know, talk a little more about his grades and definitely same thing. And now he's in grad school mm -hmm. and he brought up a class that, he, you know, is a little bit more challenging than he anticipated it to be. And he was talking to me and I said, you know what, Will, I don't really want to talk about your <laughs> grades. Like you're 23. Right. Either you get it or you don't. If you drop out of your master's program, that's on you. You're an adult now. Like, and honestly, I think he was telling me about it because he felt like he had to, because I think he got like a B, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which was a bad grade to him, but um, not in the class, but on a test. And he was like, um, you know, mom, I, I you know, I, I, I gotta be like, I think he was waiting to sort of get in trouble. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's you, right. you know, and the same thing even now, because he likes to ask for advice and I want to talk to you about advice in just a second, but now, like when he would ask for advice in high school, I always gave it. And in college, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Because, but now I find myself really trying to say, you know what? I know you'll figure it out. You're really smart. You'll figure it out. Because I think I have to, just like what you said, give them room um, and guide him when he really needs it, but really kind of have him take the lead on all of these bigger decisions than us sort of. But I'm telling you, Cindy, you're going to see someday, <laughs> hopefully you'll remember this conversation, that is, it's a challenge to kind of do that. So I really respect that your parents did it so well. Totally. Um, and speaking of advice, like, do you still go to them for advice or your in-laws even, your future in-laws? Oh my in -laws? gosh. Oh, I am, so I am a very, just my personality I, and, you know, my sister and I, I have a younger sister, she's four years younger than me, and we are close but we are also two very, we have two very different personalities. And I am the one in the family that is super outgoing. I'm chatty Kathy. You know, I really, um, you know, I like to talk on the phone and stuff like that. Whereas my sister's more reserved. Um, and so I mm -hmm. call my parents all of the time and they, they live 15 minutes away from me. And I'm still calling <laughs> them all the time for advice on this and that. And, um, you know, I think it, A, helps me to stay in touch with them and keep keep, um, keep chatting with them and, and letting them in on my life by that. But I also think that I, I'm at a point where I truly value their advice. And I, I they are usually right when they give me, um, their advice or they, you know, tell me a story maybe that they had to deal with when they were my age. And, you know, then that helps to, you know, guide me in the right direction. Um, but I, I respect them and I, I see their advice as invaluable to me. And I, you know, I, as morbid as this sounds, I know someday that they won't be around. And so I, you know, I cherish all of the things I'm able to get out of them, if that makes sense. Totally. I, I you know, I think what you said is just, like I said earlier, the goal of every parent is that, yeah, they would come to you. I, my husband and I always joke that, and we haven't seen this yet with Kate, but with our two older sons at 16, 17, 18, they knew everything. Yes. We suddenly became the dumbest people <laughs> in the world. They knew everything. They never wanted our advice. They never, you know, and I have so many clients and listeners who have teenagers who think that's going to last forever. And I tell them, just wait, just be patient. I promise they come around. And like you said, now they desperately seek our advice. They always, you know, um, want to know, you know, especially like in terms of financial things or business things or things that they haven't really gone through before, but they've seen us handle in life. So I think that's really the goal. And the fact that you could see it. So do you remember kind of around the age? I know you said it was a slow progression where you kind of had that aha moment that they're not just my parents. They're these people with really valuable yeah. wisdom. I, honestly, I, I am a little embarrassed to admit, but I think it was like, like in the past several years, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it was probably, I want to say around like 25, 26, 27 ish. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the jump from mid twenties to late twenties to me was, was when I felt very adult. Um, when I felt like I was, mm -hmm doing everything on my own. And I felt really comfortable with being by myself and, and doing things, you know, on my own and having a career and, 
and, you know, living by myself and that kind of thing. And so I think once I had mm -hmm. kind of created this life of my own, then I was able to separate my life from my parents' life and then see that they have this life too that they've created. And it, you know, I wish I would have seen it sooner because it was kind of like an aha moment. Um, but now mm -hmm. I see them, you know, doing all the things they, they are retired. They actually just retired. Um, so they're off and doing their own thing and, ha you know, having their own retired life. And I see that and I'm happy for them and I'm proud of them. And, um, you know, I just, I, I want the best for them. And I think it's, I think I see that now that they probably feel the same way about me, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I just want to tell you, you shouldn't be at all like embarrassed or think that was late because as I work with families, a lot of times young adults don't really realize that until they start their own families. Mm -hmm. For a lot of my clients or people that I work with, they say, you know, it was when I had kids that I realized yeah. I had this shift in perspective of my parents. And so I think to have it when you did is actually earlier than some, you know, and it, and like you said, it's very gradual. Right. Like I can see my oldest is 23 and then my next one, Harry will be 20 in about a okay. month. Um, and so I can, and their personalities are super, super different. Um, but I can sort of see the evolution with both of them sort of getting there in different ways and at different times. And so I think at 25 or 26 is, is either early or normal. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So have you, I remember, again, this is from following your blog, but I remember when you first graduated and you were working and, and I also love, and maybe someday we'll talk about this if you feel comfortable, sure. but, um, you, you appeared again, it's all appearances and I know we don't share all the things, but you appeared to be super fiscally responsible as well. And you lived at home yes. to save money. And then you got this fabulous downtown apartment and now you have a house, but, um, I want to ask you what it was like moving back home and setting boundaries at that time, if you remember with your parents, because with the pandemic and the economy right now, like Will's in grad school, but if he was not in grad school, I bet you he probably would be back home with totally. us because, yeah. yeah, I don't know if he would have been able to move out right away. So talk about that for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I actually, you know, I have a lot of friends right now too with, with everything that's going on. They are at home with their families. You know, they came, mm -hmm. they might've lived in bigger cities or they, um, you know, their leases ended on their apartments and things like that. And they just chose to come back and live with their parents um, for a while until they figure out, you know, they're, they're working from home, so they don't need to go into to an office. Um, and mm -hmm. so they have that flexibility. And so some of my 30 year old friends are, are back at their houses with, um, their parents. And I, I think for the first, I actually lived from home from graduation until I was 25, I think it was. Um, mm -hmm. And during that time, the first, I would say year or so, it was less of a choice, I would say, and more of a necessity. I just, um, I got a mm -hmm. job about three months after I graduated from college, like a full-time job. Um, and so the first three months I didn't even have a job and I was, you know, just kind of interviewing mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And then I got my first job and I was kind of testing the waters and seeing, you know, if I liked this job and if I wanted to continue on with this job while also, you know, my friends, I went to James Madison. So I had a lot of friends that moved to Washington, D.C. And then a lot of friends mm -hmm. that moved to New York City. So the two big cities. Um, and so I was grappling also with the idea of moving to those cities. So I think for the first year, I was, it was more of a, I don't really know what I'm, what direction I'm going to go in. I'm just going to like kind of hang out here um, and kind of see what, what happens. And then for those other mm -hmm. two or three years, I, it was a choice. It was my, my choice to live at home. And I think it was, um, you know, I had these goals. I was doing, I was blogging and working full time and I, and I wanted to eventually take my blog full time. And I know that, you know, if you want to do something full time, you have to save up a certain amount of money um, to, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as kind of like a, a pillow to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big priority of mine. Also in Pittsburgh, um, 
I, I had decided I wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. And the real estate market in Pittsburgh is a little bit unlike um, other cities where the um, it's, it's decently affordable to buy a house. And it's actually the rents mm -hmm. um, are comparable to what you might pay in a mortgage here in Pittsburgh. And so I knew that eventually I wanted to buy a house and I wanted to, I just had a lot of financial goals for myself um, down the road. So I told my parents, basically, this was kind of like my goal and this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And they were on board with it and they were completely supportive of it. And I, I, the whole time, I think I knew how grateful I was because I know that there are a lot of people who don't have that option available to them. Um, you know, whether their families mm -hmm. live in an area where they can't live because of work or, you know, they're not close with their families or, or whatever it may be. And so even while I was living there, I was so incredibly grateful for that opportunity. And I look back on it now in hindsight as myself being able to be even closer with my parents and spend so much time with them. And, you know, it, in some ways it felt a little like high school because every night we would eat dinner together and we would, you know, talk about things during dinner. And then, you know, we might watch TV together at night and that kind of thing. Um, but as I got older and more um, like advanced in my career and stuff, that's when I started to think, okay, I probably should move out and, you know, start my own life when I was going to like a lot of happy hours and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of like a natural progression. And, and, you know, on social media, when people saw that I was living at home for so long, I got a lot of flack. I mean, I got some like rude comments, mean comments, and I didn't let it phase me because I knew that there was that bigger goal um, that I had mm -hmm. In mind and it took a lot of discipline i mean it really did because i would see my friends having these fabulous apartments and these fabulous doing these fabulous things you know in new york and in dc and i and i kept having to remind myself like this is the decision that i've made and it's one that i will be happy about in hindsight and and in hindsight in hindsight i am very pleased i i That's felt great. like that was right for me yeah. And you still had all the stages because you still had your fabulous apartment. And now you have this house with your fiance. Yeah. And I know I hadn't really, I hadn't really planned to ask you this, but I know you, you had a wedding planned last year and you've had to postpone yes. it. Um, would you want to talk about that? Yeah. At all oh no? yeah. I'm you an can... open book with okay. it. Okay. Oh, totally. <laughs> okay. Totally. Yeah. We, we, so we were supposed to get married April 25th. Um, and we got engaged December 2018. So we were supposed to have like a 15-ish month um, engagement. And this mm -hmm. is this can actually go with um, kind of your your questions about my parents giving me advice. Um, so mm -hmm. the world shut down, um, you know, in mid March, mm -hmm. and so we were like a little over a month away from our wedding. And mm. at that time, I, so my first job out of college for a few years um, was actually, I worked for an event planner here in Pittsburgh. And so that was oh. my life planning events and, and that kind of thing um, mm. for a very long time. So I wasn't new to planning a wedding. This is like, this is like second, second nature to me kind of. Um, and so it was so shocking to me because in my event life, you like the events never get canceled. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's like sure. very, very little in this world. I, I mean, I, in my event planning career, I never saw an event have to be canceled. And so it was so, it was so hard for me to understand, like we were going to have to cancel our wedding. Like we had invited every, we sent out the invitations, we got the RSVPs, we had like printed out all of our, um, you know, programs and stuff like that. Everything was like in place for the wedding. And it was so hard for me to understand that it just wasn't going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. But in those first few days of um, everything shutting down, they started on the news. Everybody was saying, you know, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And so in that period of time, we were like, do we wait and see what happens or do we call it now and, you know, move on or, or what do we do? And 
that was when I was on the phone with my parents for hours at a time. Uh, my fiance's parents, we were, you know, on the phone texting and calling and everything. And that's kind of where both sides, my, you know, my fiance's family and my parents, they both were like, we can't tell you what to do. We can't make that decision mm. for you. We, you need to decide what you guys want to do yourselves and we are here to support you and and guide you in whatever you choose but we can't tell you what to do and mm -hmm. so that was really really that was a tough moment for me because I didn't want to cancel our wedding do you know what I mean I, I didn't want to and mm -hmm. I know and I think deep down in my heart I knew that that it was going to have to be postponed I knew it and I I just wasn't ready to accept that and I kind of just wanted someone to say you know what, Sydney, you need to postpone it. Like, you know, whatever. I, I didn't yeah. want to have to make yeah. that decision. And so that was hard. That was really tough. But Sydney, I, you have to tell people what your parents did on the day that would have been <sighs> your wedding, because we're, I mean, we're talking about your family and I looked at that and I was like, Oh, that's the kind of parent I want to be when my kids are at that stage. So oh my can gosh, you share yeah. That? I, I, it gives me like chills thinking about what they did for us. I, they, Same. you know, yeah. I have not seen my parents are, they show their emotions, um, but I, I don't really see them cry often. Like I don't see them feel sad mm -hmm. to the point of crying and that kind of thing too often. Um, and when we had to cancel our wedding, when I was going through this and they saw how just so upset I was, they, they cried with me, literally cried with me. And they just, mm. I could tell that they felt my sadness just as much as I mm -hmm. did. And, you know, that's like, that's just so mm. deep, true love from a parent. Do you know what I mean? I just felt, I felt, mm -hmm. I almost felt bad that they felt so bad do you know what I mean oh, and yeah well it was ultimate compassion yes. and empathy and just sounds like yes, very it was, raw. it was just the rawest kind of empathy yeah. um that I think I've ever I've ever seen and so our wedding date mm -hmm. I was I was so nervous about our wedding date coming up on April 25th because you know by then the world was still shut down and there was no there was no hope um, for April 25th. At mm -hmm. one point that actually kind of helped me because I knew that there was no, there was no way that that, that the wedding was going to happen. And that kind of like eased me yeah. a little bit, but the day was sure. going to come and go. And I was like, it's just, it's hard for me to fathom that, that our wedding day mm -hmm. is just coming and going and we're not getting married. And so I, they knew mm -hmm. that I was upset. And so we were, my parents called us and they were like, do you want to come over to our house um, for a, just a little dinner? And they were like, we're going to make what you would have eaten on your wedding night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, I'm so excited about that. Sure, we will. And at the time, because everybody was social distancing and stuff like that, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, do you think that, you know, it's safe if we come over to your house? And they said, well, we've both, mm -hmm. we've both not gone anywhere for weeks. So, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's, it, we need to celebrate this. We need to properly, mm -hmm. you know, sh like do something for it. So we were like, okay. So my parents told us my first little inkling that something was going on was that they told us to come over, I think at like 6.30 on the dot. And I was like, that's kind of, my mm -hmm. fiance actually brought it up <laughs> in the car on the way over. And he was like, you know, it's really weird. Your parents told us to come over at 6.30, like, on the dot because they normally just say, oh, come between six and six thirty-seven, whatever. Um, they're very relaxed with that kind of thing. And so he's like, I kind of think something's going on. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like maybe it's just cause the dinner, you know, won't be ready or something. I kind of was, I, I didn't really know. I wasn't really thinking about it. Cause I still think I was just so like shocked about everything in life at that point that I just didn't think deeper into it. And so we show mm -hmm. up to, the house and the house is decorated all, with twinkle lights everywhere. And they had, we mm. were supposed to have a bagpiper at our wedding. And so when we arrived, they were playing bagpiping music. They told us to dress up. So I did, I did think that was kind of weird. They told us to dress up 
And I walk in and the bagpiping music is playing and they hand us a, a flute of champagne and, you know, they cheers to us. And it was actually a really nice night um, outside. So we decided to sit on our front porch and enjoy some champagne and some appetizers. And they did, they did our appetizers that we were going to serve at our wedding, like spread it out beautifully on Aww. like the china and the silver. And, you know, it felt fabulous just to even be like, having a normal, somewhat normal situation at that time too. And, mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden, sure. all of our neighbors and my parents have lived on the same street for over 30 years because I was born in that house and, you know, they still live there. So, wow. and that's how a lot of our neighbors are too. They've been there forever. And so they all come out and they have pots and pans and bells and stuff like that. And they're all like, cheers to Sydney and Andrew. And you know, they all had champagne and they were toasting from, from their front patios. And, and, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Like, you know, and you haven't, it was so emotional because I was so sad about the whole thing. And then on top of it, you're, you're kind of locked down and you haven't seen anyone else for so long. And so just mm -hmm. seeing my neighbors mm -hmm. was, was fabulous and so emotional. And then all of a sudden cars start lining our street. And they did a whole parade. My cousins, our family friends, um, just everyone that was around and available, they had drive through and the kids in the back seat, you know, our, our age had champagne in their hands and they were all toasting and honking. And it was just so overwhelming to feel, you know, feel that much love in, in the midst of that much uncertainty and, and that kind of thing. And, and so, so after everyone mm -hmm. left, they cooked us our entire wedding meal from start to finish. My dad did a toast. Um, our family of friends baked us cookies. And in Pittsburgh, it's a, it's a big thing to do a cookie table at a wedding. Um, and she made us our own little mm -hmm. cookie table. And my parents had a wedding cake. And it was, they, our family friends even had someone um, from our band that we hired to play at our wedding um, sing us a song. And she recorded it for us and sent it to us. And so we watched that and it just, wow. it was the most incredible night. And I, I look back on it and I think I'm lucky. Like now that I have that memory and that have felt so much love to be able to share that, you know, I, I just think about like having grandchildren someday and, and saying, Hey guys, you know, we were locked down in a pandemic and we were supposed to get married, but my parents threw us this fabulous night and it I will never ever forget it <laughs> I'm crying oh <laughs> I mean I literally I'm crying I have tears running down my face and I um I heard oh, you getting emotional yes, too I, as you were starting to talk about it but you know I I'm gonna make a prediction and and I know you're gonna have the most beautiful beautiful yes. special wedding but in your life that night is going to be just as memorable oh, and as important agree. in your memory as your wedding agree. day. It really will. My dad did the I mean, speech and I actually ugh. recorded it so I could remember it forever because it was just, it was incredible. And, you know, we almost felt like we were married that night. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah, yeah. it is. It's like and, you get you know, two weddings. People, people <laughs> when I, I shared it on Instagram and people were messaging me and saying like, how lucky you are. And at the time I didn't see it. And now I fully, fully understand, fully see it. They were like, how lucky mm -hmm. you are to have been able to experience something like that. Well, on top of one day having your actual wedding. And I, I, now I'm like, I could not agree more. It was one of the most special things. It's the true. outpouring of love that I felt was just, I, I've never felt anything like it ever. Oh, that's so nice. You know, you know, I always have some questions I'm going to ask, or I think I'm going to ask, but I always tell my guests, well, we're just going to follow the conversation. And we had not even planned yeah. to talk about <laughs> right. that, you and I, right? I didn't even, I didn't even ask your permission before, <laughs> no which worries. I would have and should have. But I bet you this is like the most meaningful thing that people are going to get out of this. Because I think as parents, like, that's what we want, that empathy, that compassion. We just want to support our kids. We just want to make life beautiful for them. And um, that's what your parents did. I kind of wish I had them here on the episode too, because I watch how they 
Um, you know, I watch from yeah. afar, obviously. Oh, um, thank they're you. so cute. Your dad with his, he always has I know. Well, people, pants people on. ask me about my, my, you know, how I'm inspired by fashion and, you know, people automatically think it's my mom and, you know, my mom is beautiful and she, she, you know, very dressed very well and everything, but it's, it's really my dad. My mm-hmm. dad is the, the fashionista mm-hmm. in the family. And, you know, he always, he want he always likes to joke with me that he won best dressed in high school. So. that's so cute I love that so as from what are your tips from the perspective as a young adult um at 30 I still think that's a young adult uh for (laughs) for parents to not be too involved to give space but to have these beautiful connections that you have and that you talk about one of the things that I've noticed throughout my whole life from from you know my earliest memories to now is that my family has always made time for us together. And so it looks different at every stage of life. So, you know, growing up, we always had, we Mm -hmm. ate dinner as a family every single night. And then in college, they visited me and my sister um, while we were at college, you know, Mm -hmm. at least once a semester, if not several times. And then I went home and visited them and so we kept that connection and we made the pro- we made it a priority to have that time together as a family, um, even though it looked different mm-hmm. at every stage. And even to this day, we make time, you know, as a family to connect and um, just be together. And it's never required. Like if if we can't do something one night and my mom wants to make plans with us all and we had already made plans. Like there's never any, I don't ever feel pressure or I don't feel as though mm. my parents will be upset or anything like that. It's always just kind of like an open door kind of thing. Like, you know, we'll get together and if you can't do it, we'll do it another time. Um, but it's taught me to also make that time a priority for me in my life too. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds great. It sounds like, you know, the invitation is there. But you know what? It also sounds like because your parents have their own interests and hobbies and lives, they don't meet. If you can't do it, they're not like devastated because, you know, sometimes I see where the parents put a lot of pressure on their kids to come home more often or to do more things. Um, sometimes it's because those parents don't have their own interests. Totally. And, activities. and, you know, I, I see it. I see it um, even in my own friends that have you know, children now, Mm -hmm. it's hard when they're young, I think. And, you know, I'm not speaking from experience, obviously, but you have to be around them Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I think once you get more time to yourself, as you get older, and the kids become less dependent, that it's harder to pick up hobbies and interests and stuff like that, um, back up. And, you know, my dad has started paddle tennis. And, yeah, and my mom, oh. <laughs> she volunteers at our country club and does, like, plans, like, little events and stuff like that. And so they have these mm-hmm. things that they enjoy and that they uh, they do, and they have things that they do together with their friends and stuff like that. And so I am happy for them as I see them enjoy the, their time together and, you know, with their friends. Um, and it, it mm-hmm. makes me want to you know, be like them when I'm their age. And, and all my friends too, they, they always comment. They say, you guys have the coolest parents. Your parents are more social than I am. And, and that kind of thing. And sometimes I, I laugh because they really are, they have more plans than, than, you know, I do sometimes. And I'm just like, yeah, that's just, that's just my parents. (laughs) That's funny. I know because again, I've followed you for a number of years too, that, um, there's certain, holiday traditions and with the holidays coming up and I I think this episode will air somewhere as we near Thanksgiving or Christmas are there some holiday rituals or family traditions that you have and how have they evolved as you totally I um we have so many and I think one of the things I I mentioned that I talked to my mom before um I I was Mm -hmm. going to chat with you just to kind of see if she had any advice or anything to say and she said Mm -hmm. you know traditions are big in our family and she's like we keep Mm -hmm. the traditions kind of no matter what and we we do these things Mm -hmm. year after year and now you are grown and you still know to expect these certain things and you 
as adults want to continue with the traditions and keep those going and keep them keep them alive. And so she said, you know, one of her biggest pieces of advice would be to start the traditions young mm-hmm. and then just make sure that you keep up with them mm-hmm. year after year after year. Um, and looking back, I just, I appreciate all of the traditions that we do. And one of them that's so easy, and I feel like it's become a really popular tradition nowadays, is we all wear the same pajamas. On It's, it's not all of us. It's just my mom, mm-hmm. my sister, and um, me. It, the, the boys don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just something super little. But we, we've done it for our lives, basically. And, you know, now mm-hmm. as an adult, since we don't grow out of sizes, we've amassed all of these pajamas over the years and it's fun because you look back you wear those pajamas and you you remember them from that year and so it's just kind of like a nice Mm -hmm. memory to have and it's just it's an easy thing to do that's like a very easy tradition and it's fun it's just really fun but yeah it is I talked to one of my best friends from grad school and we'd kind of lost touch, but she is an expert researcher in rituals and traditions and families. And we recorded like at least an hour long episode on family rituals and traditions. And we talk about that. We talk about, you know, what makes a tradition and, and, and the role of tradition, how it strengthens families and what it does in families and in marriages and parent child relationships, because some are unique to just a, um, a, a parent and a child, but don't you also have like a big yes. Christmas Eve uh, family our gathering? Our Christmas Eve right? family gathering is something that is a highlight of my year, and it always has been. And the people that are invited to it, they say the same thing. They say, and and like you said with the traditions, it's interesting because we invite um, our family and friends. It's not just a family party; it's family and friends. Anyone, my my parents mm-hmm. are very much like the more the merrier type. And so, you know, anyone that doesn't Mm -hmm. have anything to do on Christmas Eve, come on to our house and that kind of thing. And we all get very dressed up. And, you know, normally we go to church first and then we go to the, we, my mom has this big party and um, it's just so lively and so fun. And because it's a tradition, my parents have been doing it for our entire lives. So we just expected at this point, if we didn't have it, we'd be like, what, what do we do? Um, and yeah, it brings us closer, not only with my parents and my sister as like the unit of the four of us and our fiancés, but it brings us together with our extended family too. And our family and friends, because my, it's like, uh, you know, my sister's fiance's family come and my, my fiance's family hasn't been able to come yet because of other things, but eventually we want them to be able to come to this party. And, you know, we want to, to bring everyone sure. together. Um, and, and it just, it feels so good when we're all together like that. Now, I, I don't know what we're going to do this year, um, unfortunately, but yeah. it is, it is a cornerstone of everybody's year and we just get excited about it. And we talk about it throughout the year. And, you know, we have, we have a very odd tradition of, singing a Coldplay song, actually. We gather around the piano uh-huh. and my cousin, <laughs> the reason we think that we started this, it was so long ago, is that my cousin had started piano lessons. And it was like one of the only piano songs that she knew how to play. So she got on the piano and played it mm-hmm. one year. And then every year since we sing this Coldplay song and it is just, it, it is so funny. And it's just such an odd thing, but it, it and it, we never meant to make it a tradition, but it's just become this tradition. And and, you know, so I, I, it's odd, but it brings us together. No, it does. And that's what she's found in her research, that things like that, they, because they're unique to only the people involved, they make you feel more connected. Yeah. It's like an inside joke, right? And it makes you, it, it strengthens your bond. And I know it will, it makes me really sad thinking about this year because I, as, as just this outsider across the country, I look forward to seeing your Thank pictures you. of that party every year and all of you singing. I didn't remember specifically what song it was, but as soon as you start talking about it, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know that tradition <laughs> um, because you shared it. But um, so what is one piece of practical advice that you can offer people who really want to nurture a close relationship with 
as a young adult with their parents or for parents with their young adult I would just say to make it a priority to do the things together that make you happy. We, you know, we did things like, like my sister took ice skating lessons one year. I remember we were, we were very young and we started to do that as an activity, as a family. And it was, it was a way to spend time together as a family, um, but also a way to like support my sister in her ice skating, um, to find ways to come Mm -hmm. together. Um, and they don't have to be, you know, we, my mom said, actually, when I spoke to her, she said one of her biggest advices, and I know this is totally not possible mm-hmm. for everyone, but she thinks that we ate to, uh, dinner together every night as a family. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, my mom mm-hmm. cooked at home, you know, Monday through Friday, that kind of thing. And we just, we ate dinner together as a family. We didn't watch TV while we ate dinner. We sat there and we spoke to each other. And this was really before cell phone became a thing. So I think that could be a challenge in and of itself, you know, nowadays, but you know, I, Mm -hmm. even to this day, if my sister is home and I am home and, you know, with our fiancés, we all will sit down and eat together. And my fiance and I, that's something Mm -hmm. we've brought, um, together as our own little unit. Um, we, dinner together every night Mm -hmm. we don't do tv or anything Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. um and it's just Mm -hmm. become that tradition has kind of like moved over into our own little family unit unit um and i think that that's something it's a way to it was just an easy way to connect yeah and you're right i mean i posted maybe about two weeks ago all the research on what eating family uh dinner together Uh does it boosts grades people are less likely to have eating disorders less likely to have depression i mean i can't name them all off the top of my head higher grades less drug use less drinking like the research is astounding and there's a great um page called the family dinner project and and we've started following each other and i'm going to try to collaborate with them because it is something I so strongly believe in. And and two things you mentioned about the cell phones is like, yes, absolutely. You know, my kids grew up in mm-hmm. the era of cell phones, but it was completely always a cell phone does not come near yes. our dinner table ever, like ever. In fact, we'll often be sitting after dinner talking about something and say, like we want someone to look something up because the conversation happens and we're like, look that up. And nobody has yes. their phone. We usually have to go like track one down to look it up. But I mean, it was, the, if somebody brought the cell phone to the table in my house, they were like <laughs> in big trouble. And then, you know, people always say with sports or work schedules, um, we just kind of yep. shift. Like Kate dances she dances oh seven gosh. days a week right now, but basically five nights Saturday and Sunday are like more in the afternoon but um so we look at her dance schedule and like tonight she goes at 6 30 so we will eat at 6 or um 5 45 which is kind of early but otherwise she's not done till nine so we either eat at nine or you know some families will say well we'll feed them early and we'll eat late totally we just all adjust. We're like, okay. I mean, I, I love eating at 545. My <laughs> husband doesn't, but I'm like, but it's, it's the only time it's we so can true. together. And so sometimes, yeah, we eat a little earlier or we eat a little later, but we accommodated the boys' sports schedule. Now, were there times when one of them had a game and they absolutely, there was, you know, we couldn't do it earlier. Yeah. But the majority of the time we made that effort to eat together and it, you're right. It is, you cannot get that time back ever in life. And it's just a chance for everybody to just be together. I totally agree. I, you know, and I look back on it too. And like you said, with, with the dancing, I was a cheerleader and we had so many games that we were having to cheer at. And there were so many other things that my sister was involved in. And, and, you know, my dad, my mom was a stay at home mom, um, growing up and, you know, my dad, worked and you know sometimes he would come home from work and I would have cheerleading and my sister would have something else and and we still were able to most most of the time find a time to mm-hmm. gather and, and you know like you said sometimes we would eat at 4 30 you know right when we got home from school mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing but we made it work um but we also didn't beat ourselves mm-hmm. up over the fact that if we had to miss you know a night or two here and there yeah, um, yeah. It, it was just always pleasant and enjoyable and 
and it was expected, but yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like my parents were like saying to us, okay, well, we're going to eat dinner as a family every night, you know, that kind of thing. It was just kind of assumed like, okay, well, we're going to eat dinner together. Same. We never made it really right. like a rule or an obligation or it was just, and then they wanted to, and you know what, when my boys come home from college and grad school now, that's the thing they're, they, they'll send me their <laughs> yes, menus. I did the same thing. Like a week <laughs> yes. before, right? Like, could you make this and could we have this? The one time we did sort of the one week, the one day we really protected because you're right with their, when they worked or they had games, there were certain nights where it was just impossible. So we didn't do it seven nights a week. But as they got really busy and really social, I did sort of say Sunday night yes. is absolutely kind of no excuses because there weren't games and there weren't practices Sunday night. And even now my kids love yes. Sunday night dinner. Yes, we did that. We did that growing you up know? too, actually. We went to my grand grandma and Papap's house. Um, and we, we had Sunday night dinner every single Sunday. My cousins would come. Um, and unfortunately they passed away, um, when I was in high school, but every single mm. Sunday we would all convene at my grandparents' house and have that Sunday night dinner. And, you know, even that, that was a while ago. And that was, it's such a great memory that I have. And didn't you tell me, I mean, I'm kind of, this just spurred a memory. I feel like you and I've messaged. I know we have. Didn't you get to come home from school for lunch and maybe eat lunch yes. with your grandma? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's probably one of my favorite memories ever from childhood in um, middle school and elementary school, I think it was. We were able to go home for lunch every day. Um, our schools don't, they're, they're walking districts. So you, we don't have buses or anything like mm -hmm. that. And so to get to school, you either get dropped off or you walk to and from school. And so um, we would just be able to walk home um, from school during lunchtime and we would go, I would go home and my mom would have lunch, you know, made for us and it would be quick, but um, it was different. I, I've talked to so many friends that don't live in the area and they're just like, what, what are you talking about? We've, we didn't have this. Um, but every Monday, my grandparents, my Grammy and grandpa, they'd pick us up and we would get to pick wherever we wanted to go for lunch. And it had to be quick. So usually it was something like Wendy's or, you know, that kind of thing. And we mm -hmm. weren't usually allowed to eat fast food otherwise. And so this was like our big, like exciting day out. And every, no, no joke, every single Monday from, you know, kindergarten to, or first grade to sixth or seventh grade, whenever we were unable to, to go out for lunch, um, we went with them and I, it was, it's just one of the best memories ever. It was Mondays with Grammy and grandpa. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. I, I remember you writing to me about that. And I think we were talking about old television shows yeah. or something, how it came up, but um, that is such a special memory. Thank you so much for talking about your family. I, you, I know, you know this, but I just want to affirm you are really, I am blessed. I, I agree to have this kind of family. Yeah. And these relationships. But I also think you provided so much, so many um, pieces of advice and suggestions and stories that really most people can make these connections within their family. And I know today, this was such a great conversation. I know that you have inspired people that are listening to do this, these things in their families to have these connections. So thank you so well, much. Thank you for, your for having time. me too. I'm, I'm flattered that you asked and, and that you wanted to hear what I have to say. And, and, you know, I'm really, I'm passionate about my family and I could not agree with you more. I I'm grateful for, you know, everything. And I, my parents are just fantastic and to be able to just kind of show them off and talk about them. It, it just, it makes me so happy. So I appreciate you having me. It was fun to chat. Good. Well, and some of that's you too, because it, it's a, a relationship is yeah. a dynamic, you know? And so the fact that you choose to spend time with them and you invite them into your life is really special too. Thank you Thank so you, much. Sydney. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales, 
or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area. This episode was edited and produced by Sonia Kerrigan.